0: In episode 44 of Mosin at Large, JAWS for Windows gets a handy upgrade for laptop or Bluetooth headphone users. My favorite podcast app for iOS, Castro, gets a huge injection of Siri smarts. And we ask the question, what is in your Apple Watch dock?
1: Mosin at Large Podcast.
0: You're very welcome to contribute to the podcast, and there are two ways to do it. You can drop me an email to jonathan, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at mushroomfm.com. You can write something in that email, or you can attach an audio recording using anything that records and you can attach to an email. You can also call the listener line. That number is in the United States. It's 864-60-MOSIN, 864-606-6736, and record a message that could be included in the podcast. Concise contributions always help. We can't include everything because of the volume of contributions we receive. And please note that if we do use your content, we reserve the right to edit it for clarity and brevity. You can follow Mosin at Large, all one word, on Twitter to join the conversation with other listeners to get sneak peeks about what's coming up on the podcast. And I regularly tweet links that I think will be of interest to Mosin at Large listeners. To keep up to date with Mosin at Large and radio-related activities I'm doing, you can subscribe to our media email list. It's announcements only, and the traffic is very light. To do that, send a blank email to media-subscribe at mosin.org. That's media-subscribe at mosin.org. The podcast version of this show contains extracts from the full version, which is heard live on Mushroom FM at mushroomfm.com and anywhere that you listen to radio stations at 2 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on a Saturday afternoon. For the full and at Large experience, I encourage you to be part of that community. And finally, before we get into the episode this week, a reminder that this podcast is long. And to help you navigate past the bits that you aren't interested in to the bits that you are It's segmented by chapters. If you have a podcast app capable of supporting chapters, and many on iOS and Android do this, you can skip between segments of the show. Wonderful to be back with you. I always look forward to finding out how you're doing, what's on your mind. I hope that you have had a good week. Although for many, it has been a challenging week, hasn't it? As coronavirus just does not go away. In many cases, because people are just getting bored and frustrated and unlocking way too early It's sad to see some cases increasing in some states in the U.S. because relaxation took place too early. And I note that Apple has opened some stores and they're now closing them again in certain states because of that, because of COVID-19 just not being under control. In Australia, in Victoria, it looks like there may be some tightening of restrictions there. And here in New Zealand, we haven't had it all smooth sailing either We were, of course, expecting to see some COVID-19 cases come in because New Zealanders are allowed to come home. They're put in a compulsory 14-day quarantine period. And so if you get COVID-19 cases in that situation, you would expect it and you would expect people to go through the quarantine period and not be released until they're virus-free. What has happened earlier in the week, though, was a bit unexpected, and that is that a couple of people who came in from the UK in a very difficult, sad situation, where they have a family member whose funeral they wanted to attend, got permission to go a little earlier, and due to a breakdown in the system, they weren't tested for COVID-19, and it turned out they were positive, and they had a very long drive from Auckland to Wellington, right across The North Island of New Zealand and they got lost and oh my word, uh, there's a lot of anger about this because New Zealand made a lot of sacrifices to be COVID-19 free. So while there have been those few cases at the border, that's absolutely to be expected. Those two are not. And there are quite serious consequences of that. So we just have to hold our breath, cross our fingers and all those metaphoric and literal things and uh, hope that no one was infected along the way. Of course, with COVID-19 taking 14 days to incubate, we aren't really going to know that for sure for another week or so. On to more pleasant and exciting topics. WWDC is just about here. This is Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. It's a little later than normal because of COVID-19. It is going virtual, and it is kind of empowering to see these virtual conventions, isn't it? People who couldn't attend because of cost or, in WWDC's case, just so many people wanted to attend that have a sort of a lottery to sort out who could go, and there are no such limits in a virtual event, and the blindness conventions in the United States are going the same way in July. I'd be really interested to see how that goes, actually. So it's all online, but fundamentally, the big keynote doesn't change. That is at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. in New Zealand. That is a pretty early 5 a.m. and in Australia, mate, it's 3 a.m. there. This all happens U.S. time on Monday, very early Tuesday morning in New Zealand and Australia. And we will be covering it. It won't be live on Mushroom FM, but we will be publishing a special episode of Mosin at Large that is going to be episode 45. And on that episode, we will be hearing from Michael Fair and Anna Dresner and Heidi Taylor and me. We're going to have a panel there, get together on the clean feed And we will talk about all the announcements that Tim Cook and his team made. We are expecting some pretty big news for Mac this year. We are expecting them to announce the introduction of Macs based on ARM processors. We're expecting to hear, of course, about iOS 14. And I get the feeling there are going to be some pretty nice iOS 14 developments, including widgets that can go anywhere on your home screen and perhaps some relaxation of what your default apps can be and various things like that. And maybe we will finally hear about Apple tags, but we will have Heidi looking at the slides that go up on the screen because there's a lot of information on those slides that don't appear in the verbiage that Apple gives. So we'll be looking for that. Heidi will be passing all of this information from a blindness perspective. She is very good at that, and we will give it to you as quickly as possible. Get that published just as soon as we can after WWDC. On the Mosin at Large Twitter account, which is now up and running, so you can follow Mosin at Large on Twitter, I have tweeted a link with a lot of information about how you can watch this live. It's on YouTube. It's it's all over the place now. Thankfully, gone are the days where you used to have to go and look for these clandestine pirate streams because Apple wouldn't stream their own jolly keynotes live. Oh, my word. Now they're really into it. They want you to watch it. And the Apple Events app has been updated, the one that goes on Apple TV. But interestingly, it's now pointing you to a stream in the Apple TV app. So it looks like they are phasing out the Apple Events app, and getting people used to watching in the TV app, which makes a lot of sense. And it looks like it's going to be a 4K stream. It'd be pretty interesting if they did it in Dolby Atmos, wouldn't it? I guess I'll be able to find out. So maybe put it in your calendar if you're interested. Put it in your calendar for WWDC this coming Monday US time. That's the 22nd of June. And I'm sure you can hear this already. I'm sure it's somehow more pristine than ever. But this is the first Mosin-at-Large podcast to be produced using the new Windows 10 update, the first one for 2020. And it's come to my studio machine. It has not yet come to my HP Spectre laptop. In that case, it says that my laptop's not quite ready for it yet. You'll be ready one day, son, it says. Well, it doesn't actually... Um, all right. So narrator, it's coming along nicely, isn't it? I must say it is coming along very nicely. And I was using narrator in Outlook, just having a play with this. It's very good. You know, they've got the ability to determine whether you want to hear the column names as you move through emails. So this is the influence clearly that screen reader experts are having on this product. Because now that you've got people who clearly know what they're doing, having some influence over this product, you're starting to get some of those efficiency things. Using sounds a lot more than verbiage is a really sensible efficiency gain type thing. So, yeah, I've been a bit skeptical about Narrator, but you've got to give credit where it's due It is evolving into a very viable product. I actually have the code factory implementation of Eloquence working with it. So I'm not using any other speech engine other than the Eloquence that I like so much. I do think, though, that if Narrator is going to continue to develop, they're going to have to find a way to push Narrator updates via Windows Update so that maybe we can get updates more frequently than any big major build of Windows. But congratulations to everybody involved in this. There is no doubt it is becoming quite a formidable product, depending on your use case. Could I switch to Narrator tomorrow? No, I could not, because the software I'm using to produce this show live does not work particularly well with Narrator, and nor, to the best of my knowledge, does Reaper, where you have Osara, which plays really nicely with Jaws, particularly in conjunction with Jim Snowbarger's Jaws scripts. He's done a fantastic job there. But if you have upgraded to the latest Windows and you are using Narrator, what do you think? Do you think it's becoming more and more viable or do you think it's still got a long way to go? Let me know. Jonathan at mushroomfm.com. The listener line number is
2: 86460 Mosin. I would love to hear what people use their watch for. And so I suggest a feature called What's in Your Dock. It's basically pressing that side button below the crown on the right-hand side of your watch and what you'll get is a list of apps. Now, if you go to your phone and open up the watch app and go into settings for dock, you'll see there's two ways you can set your dock up. One is for favourites and the other is for recents. Now, either of those will do because we would either get your list of favourite apps that you use on your watch, and that's great because you've favorited them. Uh, tell us about those or the most recent ones, and that's what I'm going to show you now, because that will tell you guys and me exactly what I use my watch for most recently, and probably most often too. So apart from obviously getting loads of iMessages, you know, and responding to them either by text or by voice, I love voice messages, or getting WhatsApp messages, uh, or getting other notifications, I use a few apps on my watch, and I'm going to show you what they are now. So I'm bringing my watch up to the microphone here, and I'm going to press the dock. Dock. Messages. And first in my dock is Messages. Unsurprisingly, you guys know what the Messages app is like. If I flick to the right. News. News. That's the BBC News app. Brilliant. I get lots of headlines popping up as notifications on my watch, and I can tap on them, and it will take me through to this News app, and it will give me the full story. Tile. Tile. The next one is Tile. That's brilliant. That's where you get those little plastic tags at sort of 15 $20 each maybe, and then you attach them to your keys, uh, whatever it is you want to put them in your wallet, and when you tap on that, it will take you to a list of the ones that you can then find by tapping on their name, and that key ring, or whatever it is, will ring. Oh, and by the way, you can also make it a complication, or you can ask the A-Lady to find those things too, and... If you click one of the buttons on those tiles, then your phone will ring as well. Let's see what we've got next. Workout. Workout. We all know what that is. Ember. Ember. This is the smart mug that keeps your coffee warm. Just tap on that and you'll see exactly what the temperature of your mug is or make it a complication. Find people. Find people. I use that for finding the family and other devices as well.
3: Pedometer plus plus.
2: Pedometer plus plus. If I go in there.
3: Pedometer 8,363.0 steps. 4.1 miles.
2: I've done 4.1 miles today. Really like that app. You can also make it a complication to easily get to those. Let's close it.
3: Dock. Pedometer. All, apps. Button. All, apps. Button.
2: all apps were at the end. So that's what you tap on to get to all your other apps. So that's it in my dock. Those are the ones I've obviously used most recently. Hey guys, what's in your dock?
0: What a jolly good conversation starter that was, Robin. Thank you very much for sending that in. Much appreciated. And, of course, Robin uh, is doing his Dot to Dot podcast, and he comes out with a new podcast episode every day. The man is prolific. Prolific is what he is. So if you're interested in the soup drinker, you should definitely subscribe to Dot to Dot and learn about all sorts of exciting things that he tells us about in that podcast. I want to say a few things about accessing apps on the Apple Watch. Uh, So I I shall volunteer and see if other people chime in on this what's in your Apple Watch doc question. The first is that I rely on getting apps in three ways. One is just by launching them with Siri. The other is that I use the Infograph watch face on my Apple Watch. This was introduced with, I think it was Series 4 And the advantage of using this is you get, I believe, eight complications on your watch more than any other watch face. And then the third thing I do is I do put my favorites in the dock. The reason why there is benefit in using the dock this way and putting your favorite apps in there is that they are kind of stored in a special form of memory, which means that your favorite apps do load faster than if you just launch with Siri. So it does speed the process up somewhat. All that said, I have had a few troubles in my time with battery life on the Apple Watch. I'm not alone. And I suspect that the number of apps I have in my dock and the number of complications I have on my watch face could be contributing to that. I've gotten into the habit now of restarting my watch every day when I put it on charge, that does seem to help. And I suspect that what's happening is that some apps are doing some weird background app refresh stuff once you put them in the dock, and you can quit the apps manually, which can help as well. The way to do that is to hold down the side button until you get the little menu that appears when you are invited to power the watch off. But instead of doing that, you then hold down the digital crown it's like the old way you used to close apps on iOS a long time ago, and eventually, after holding down the digital crown for long enough, it will go blink and pop you back to the home screen, and the app in question will have been closed. That said, I'll begin by showing you what I have on my infograph watch face.
3: Twelve nineteen p.m. and two seconds.
0: So I am going to flick left.
3: Battery seventy-seven percent. There's
0: battery life. Two p.m. And there is my calendar at the top of the screen here. You have to be careful where you put some of these complications on the Infograph watch face because the size of some of them is bigger than others. I've put the calendar at the top there because it tells me when my next appointment is. But most significantly, it tells me what the next appointment is. Not all of the complication slots will do that. I'm recording this, by the way. During my lunch hour on a fasting day, I fast two days a week. And so rather than eat, I'm preparing a little bit of Mosin at large, which is probably better for me. i turn the watch back on now because it's hibernated.
3: 12 degrees cloudy, low, 13 degrees high, 11 degrees cloudy.
0: By putting the weather complication in that slot, I get the temperature, I get a brief forecast and current weather conditions. It's interesting that voiceover is voicing the high and the low in the wrong order. So what it says is the maximum expected temperature is actually the minimum expected temperature. That is a bizarre bug. I've recently reverted to Apple's own weather app, mainly because I found that carrot weather was not giving me granular enough local weather. Now that I don't travel internationally for work, I use the MetService app, which is a New Zealand app on my iPhone. Unfortunately, they don't have a watch app or complication. But they give me local weather right down to our suburb, whereas carrot weather couldn't do that. So um I've deleted carrot weather for now and I'm just back to using that. Let me power up again. Twenty two
3: twelve degrees cloudy. No in red messages.
0: Now I have iMessages right there on my infograph watch face. So I don't have messages in the dock because it's really easy for me to get to messages right from the watch face. Find people. And I have find people there as well.
3: Moving, 30%, exercising, 3%, standing, 33%. I've
0: got some work to do, clearly. So that's my activity rings. I'm on a very, very long move streak, so I will get there. Oh, and let me...
3: 12, 20, 12, no, find people, moving, BM.
0: Now, that's Bonnie. It just says BM, but if I double tap on the watch face here, I can call her. Very, very cool. And that one sometimes doesn't speak, which is weird, but it is the voice memos app. I used to use just press record for this slot. Now I just use voice memos because really it works just as well. This is the Apple app and you can get it your voice memos everywhere. So I'm using that if ever I do need to make a quick recording. And I actually have used this. It's been quite handy to quickly be able to get a recording going on your Apple Watch in a situation where you feel like you need to record something. Say, for example, you are having an encounter with an Uber driver and it's pretty clear that they're going to give you a service refusal. Jolly nice to be able to get that going on your Apple Watch. Marvellous. So that is the set of complications that I have using the Infograph watch face. I'm going to open the dock now and I need to wake it up again.
3: 12.26 p.m. and 6. Dock.
0: Workout. There's the dock. So...
3: Workout.
0: Workout is first. I use the workout app uh, a lot. Heart rate. And the heart rate app. These are built in Apple apps. Anylist. Anylist is a really cool app. It's available for iOS and possibly Mac. And as you hear, there's an Apple Watch version of it as well. Anylist is an app that allows you to make lists of things. And Bonnie and I have created a couple of lists that we are both subscribed to, and it helps with the smooth running of Mosin Towers. If you have a soup drinker device, you will be aware that you can say to it, add something or other to my shopping list. And then you can use the soup drinker app to go in and have a look at the things that you've added to your list. Well, any list also integrates with that same shopping list. You set this up in the AnyList app. And you pay a subscription, basically, that gives your whole family access to it. So using Siri or using the Soup Drinker or using the Apple Watch app, you can add to the same list. And it's really great because we just have it all there when we are shopping. I will show you this in action. So I can say, for example, Soup Drinker, add rubber ducks to my shopping list. I added
3: rubber ducks to your shopping list.
0: And why not rubber ducky? I'm just going to give that a, a wee second to propagate, and now I'll go back into the dock. There we go. Double
3: tap any list.
0: Any list.
3: Heading. Alex's shopping list. Eight items remaining. Alex's shopping list. Nine items remaining.
0: All right. Now it's updated the shopping list. There are a few things on it actually.
3: Dairy. So double tap. Alex's shopping list. Back. Alex's shopping list. Dairy. Heading. Cheese. Milk. Health and personal care. Head deodorant. Meat. Heading. Rubber ducks.
0: Yeah, very nice. Steak. Kind of white got into meat.
3: Eclipse's bed. Elite electrolytes. By trace Vegetables. Vegetables.
0: And there we have it. So we'll go back out of the app, I'll put Delete the doc button.
3: Dog. Workout.
0: Now, to save inquiries from Bonnie about what we have rubber ducks on our shopping list for, I'll just say soup drinker. Remove rubber ducks from my shopping list.
3: I've checked off rubber ducks from your shopping list. Alexa, shopping list. Back button.
0: We're back into the app.
3: Dock. Workout. Heart rate. Any list. Home.
0: I have the Home app in my dock because we have a lot of home automation here. The Sonos devices that are AirPlay capable, TV, lights, and a range of accessories of that nature.
3: Heart rate. Any l- Home. J.
0: Before Robin came along with his WhatsApp up doc uh, message, I was going to tell you about this app anyway. So let me give you a bit of a preamble before we open this. Jay is a Twitter client for Apple Watch. It is not the only Twitter client for Apple Watch that is accessible. And we're fortunate to have that choice. But it is my favorite Twitter client for Apple Watch. When I got this app, it was fully accessible and actually mentioned that it was In the app description. So I gave this a go, downloaded it, I read about it somewhere, launched it. It was fully accessible, I appreciated it, but it was a little bit verbose for me. And so I had a dialogue with the app developer. One of the things I like about dealing with these third party app developers who are just one person shops is that often they really are delighted to know that a blind person is using their app and they're genuinely interested in feedback. The app used to be, when you flipped through the tweets, it would say, so-and-so tweeted five minutes ago, and then it would tell you the name of the tweet. So I said to him, I would be really appreciative if you would emulate the way that Twitterific speaks to voiceover. What that does is it says the name of the person tweeting, and then it sends a comma to voiceover so that you know when the name of the Twitter account has stopped and the tweet has begun. And then it puts the date at the end because then you can skip the date if it's of no interest. If the date is before the tweet, then you're going to have to sit through the date to get to the tweet. So he took all that feedback on board and released an update towards the end of last week, which had all those voiceover fixes in. And it was only a day or two after I'd made the suggestion. So I cannot recommend this app highly enough. A responsive developer, a really cool way to browse tweets on your Apple Watch, and it's just called J J A Y. So we'll go back in. We've obviously gone to sleep now.
3: Dog, work up any home. J.
0: I'm going to just go into this app and show you.
3: J. Dennis Lambrey, hashtag hands free, hashtag coding. Two minutes ago. Quoted tweet by Victor Tzerin. This is a really cool website for hands-free coding. Check it out and forward around. Hands-free coding vertical line A hacker's guide to ditching the keyboard and mouse. Hands-free coding Hashtag in.
0: See, it's just brilliant for browsing tweets I can flick, right?
3: Vaughn Davis. Nice to show you around the office at Rob Treacher. Viva Two minutes ago.
0: To take further action, just double tap on the tweet.
3: Vaughn Davis tweeted back button. Vaughn Davis tweet. Nice to show you around the office at Rob. Reply. Button.
0: Is there a reply button?
3: No retweets. Button. One likes. Not liked. Save tweet. Not say replies. No replies found. No replies found. If
0: you save the tweet, you can read the tweets on your iPhone using the companion app.
3: Replies. Save tweet. One likes. No retweets. Reply button. And
0: if you double tap the reply button, you are able to dictate a reply and send it as a tweet. So it will convert your dictation into text and send that as a tweet. If I back out of here,
3: night. Back, back button.
0: There we go. Back button. And I'll long press now. And we have a little latest, menu that's button, popped up. Latest,
3: latest, that gives you
0: your latest tweets.
3: Tweet, button.
0: And you can compose a tweet from here.
3: More, button, more, button.
0: And if we double tap the more, we get a sub menu.
3: Button. Button.
0: We can go to our mentions list.
3: Messages, button. Search, button. So you
0: do get direct message access, which some Apple Watch clients don't do. And you can even search here. Trending, and look at trending topics.
3: Enjoying J. Show your support. Red heart. Share button. Need help with suggestions? Let's connect on Twitter. Happy face with hugging hands.
0: And I'm following the developer on Twitter.
3: Open Jay Developer's Twitter profile button. Version two point seven point six. Version two. No. So but if I go share. back, Enjoy. trending, search, messages, mentions, and double button. tap mentions, mentions,
0: it will be getting my new tweets.
3: Mentions. Von Royals. Jonathan Muzzin, do you use a video doorbell? If so, which one? This is a Google household, but it looks like ring of the only ones that run on batteries that are known to be accessible. Four hours ago.
0: So that's J for Apple Watch, a great way to read tweets. I highly recommend this app. So I'll go back to the dock.
3: Dock, workout. out. any, home, J, parcel.
0: Parcel, you throw your tracking numbers at it. It automatically detects the carrier that the package is coming from, and tracks it for you, and sends you push notifications. You can also inspect your parcels in a list to find out where your packages are. I don't have any active deliveries right now, but if I go back in here, okay, we're back in J. I'll just go back to the dock. This parcel,
3: it's just launching, and now loading. Second, hearing delivered. Unify gear.
0: I talked about the Unify gear, and it shows that it was delivered.
3: Parcel. Heading.
0: And um, if we hard press on this screen, we get another menu. And so you can limit your look to, say, deliveries that are currently active rather than deliveries that are passed. So the Parcel app's really cool for just checking where your packages are from any carrier. Parcel. And Heading. it's very accessible. Now, so we'll go back into the dock.
3: Workout. Any parcel. Sonibit, remote
0: for We have a large number of Sonos devices at Mosin Towers, and this is my favorite remote control app. And yes, it still does work with Sonos S2. It has um, been a, a cause of breakage for some third-party apps, but this Sonobit does seem to work Workout. for Apart, home, S2.
3: Sonibit, so we'll right open up here.
0: I currently have the Studio Sonos room in focus.
3: Volume down, volume up, select group, button, play, button. If I
0: double tap the play button. Play. Then, yep. Oh, it's Sarah Hillis doing Come by the Hills as I record this. Good show. And so in the studio, I have play. two play fives and a sub.
3: Play. Oh, pause.
0: we'll button. double tap pause. pause. There we go. And it's paused. If I flick left, oh, we've got a volume up and down.
3: Previous track, And button. Next track. Previous
0: track button. and next track.
3: Next track. Pre-port. Play. Select group. Button. And
0: select group, if I double-tap that.
3: Select group. All the Sonos groups, groups, groups. are here. Back. David Sonos. Guest Sonos. Nicholas Sonos. Studio Sonos. TV adapter plus four.
0: And i got four rooms grouped upstairs.
3: TV adapter plus four.
0: Double-tap that.
3: Toggle mute. Button. TV and now we're adapter into the... Four. There
0: we Heading. go. We're, we're, we're in there.
3: Toggle mute. Volume down. Volume up. Select group. Play. Pause. Previous track, next track.
0: So that's a handy way to just control your Sonos devices from your wrist. Dog,
3: I'll
0: go back to the dock and flip through here. Son- I have the Uber app on my watch. You never know when you need to uh, call some transport. Tile. Like Robin, I have the Tile app on the watch in my dock because I have a lot of tiles and I can find where things are. Mano. Nano is the last thing in my Apple Watch doc, and it is a Reddit client for Apple Watch. Reddit is a kind of a discussion service. It is like a lot of these places on the Internet. There are some parts of it that are pretty dodgy. I mentioned that in last week's episode, actually, when Addy was asking about an accessible iOS Reddit client. But I do get a lot of useful information from Reddit as well. It's all about what parts of these places you spend time on. And I have the Nano Apple Watch app, which is accessible. And that means that if I feel like it, I'm somewhere and I want to quickly check, say, the Sonos subreddit to find out what people are saying currently about the Sonos Arc or something like that, I can just do that and spend a bit of time looking at Reddit. So those are the apps that are in my Apple Watch dock. And it would be great to hear about what are in yours if you have an Apple Watch.
4: Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at
1: Large Podcast. Hi, Jonathan. It's Dave Vandermullen here from Ontario, Canada. I love your podcast and I look forward to it each week. I've got a few things on my mind that I thought I would mention. First of all, as you know, but many others may not know, I'm a part time audiobook narrator. You gave me a really good tip a few months ago regarding using an audio interface with my laptop to record books in Windows 10, and I use Audacity to record with and edit my recordings. Anyway, Access World is publishing a series called Employment Matters, and in the April 2020 issue, there's an article about me and how I do the work that I do. During the interview, I mentioned that you had given me that suggestion regarding the audio interface, and they included that in the article. So I want to thank you very much for that, and you might want to give that article a read. But one question I have is, what is the difference between an audio interface and a mixer?
0: You're in an interesting area of work there, Dave. It's good to hear from you. And like everything, sometimes there's crossover between product categories. There are audio interfaces that have some mixer functions and increasingly there are some mixers that have audio interface functions. Traditionally, an analog mixer would have a series of channels and then functions for each channel like equalization and balance and they'd be analog and you would connect that mixer, that analog device into an audio interface that would take an analog signal and encode it digitally to send to a computer. A basic audio interface would just have an input and an output, and you would handle all of the multiple input needs that you might have from your mixer. Now it's not that clear cut, because you can get mixers that have a number of USB ports. In fact, there are some mixers that are purely digital, like the Soundcraft Signature 12, is it FX, I think, that Quite a few blind people are using. That's essentially an audio interface and a mixer combined because each channel appears as a device in Windows and you can combine them and that is pretty cool. Alan and Heath do a similar product. I believe the Z10 that Robin was talking about on last week's show works that way and similarly you can have some audio interfaces that have basic balancing. So you can connect multiple devices now to the one audio interface and balance them, sort of send them to one output and do all sorts of things like that. But now it's becoming a lot more of a gray area. Certainly you could get a mixer that performs both functions and
1: you can get audio interfaces that now perform both functions. During the most recent episode of Mosin at Large, The Mantis Q40 and the QBraille XL were talked about a little bit. I actually have three QBraille XLs, two at work and one at home. While the hybrid keyboard works somewhat okay with JAWS and Windows, I say somewhat because it lags a bit when you enter keystrokes on the QBraille, the Bluetooth keyboard commands don't work at all with TalkBack and VoiceOver. The Braille hotkey commands work, but not the Bluetooth keyboard commands, which is a major disappointment, especially with Android, because there aren't many Braille hotkey commands available. What's also frustrating is that HIM's tech support has been non-existent when I've tried to get answers. HIM's claims that the QBraille hybrid mode works with Android and VoiceOver, but it doesn't, and I've spent literally hours trying to make it work. What makes me really angry about all of this is that we spend a lot of money on these devices, but we really don't have a chance to try them before we buy them. I know there are conferences we can go to to check out the equipment, but I don't want a salesperson standing over my shoulder while I'm putting the equipment through its paces. A couple of years ago, I would have been excited about a product like the Mantis Q40 being available, but now I'm pessimistic and skeptical, anxiously awaiting comments from people after they've tried it out. Another issue I want to bring up is that the iOS version of the Google Calendar app is partially inaccessible. The organization for which I work uses Google Meet as its platform for staff meetings and, believe it or not, coffee breaks. Links to those meetings are posted in the Google Shared Calendar, but for some reason I can't find those links in the Calendar app. I find the event and can go into it, but not the link to the actual meeting. What I have to do is, on my PC, which doesn't have a camera, I use Chrome to go into the calendar. Then I copy and paste the meeting link into an email that I send to myself. Then I go into that email with my iPhone and click on that link. Then I can get in. I had hoped to make this process easier by using an Android phone, but the QBraille Android issues I mentioned earlier don't make it worthwhile. I do have a Braille Note Touch Plus, but I can't join Google Meet meetings with that. I emailed HumanWare about that issue, but haven't received much help from them either. Even if I could use the BNT Plus to join those meetings, the camera, because of where it is positioned, would be useless. I don't know whether an external camera would work, but as I say, the Google Meet app doesn't even work with the BNT Plus. Another thing about the BNT Plus that I didn't find out about until yesterday is that it doesn't work at all with BrailleBack and TalkBack, so you can't use it as a Braille display and keyboard with an Android phone. This, to me, seems totally weird, since the BNT Plus is an Android tablet. So that's my rant for this week. Best wishes to you and your family, Jonathan, and best wishes to everyone listening to this podcast. Bye for now. Thanks, Dave. A possible solution for your calendar issue
0: I would have a go at Fantastical. I think it's actually pronounced Fantastical, you see, because it's a pun on calendars. Fantastical is a well supported, accessible app and it works with a wide range of calendars. I have not used the Google Calendar app. When I worked for Ira, which was in the Google ecosystem, I simply integrated my Google Calendar with Fantastical and it was a beautiful thing. So if you download that and it is spelt the way it sounds, Fantastical, all one word from the App Store, they do have a premium version. I'm not sure if you can try this Google Calendar configuration without the premium feature. But the premium subscription is now a subscription, so you can take it out. And if you don't like it, you can cancel the subscription. You should be able to access the Google Meet links from Fantastical from your Google calendar. And then that should open up the Google Meet app and you should be in business. So if you try Fantastical, let me know if that solves your problem. It's a brilliant app. And it has the advantage of being able to enter natural language appointments. I can go into the edit field of Fantastical and say, meeting with Dave Vandermolen on Friday at 6 a.m. And it will fill in all the fields.
5: Brilliant app.
0: And I'm pretty sure that will solve your issues with Google Calendar. They have actually come out with a really cool update this week. It's been a good week for software, I tell you. And in this update, they have very tight integration with all of the major conferencing services, Zoom, Teams, Google Meet, a whole lot of other things. So when it detects that you have a virtual meeting right from within, fantastical, when you see the appointment there, you can double tap and join the meeting and it will launch whatever app is necessary to have you join. And incidentally, Google is coming up with some pretty interesting ways to engage with Google Meets now. Many people may not realize that there are these really cool shortcuts you can do with Google things with a .new extension. And now you can go to meet.new, as in meets.new, and you can set up a Google Meet meeting right from there. I haven't had a play with Google Meet yet. I'm perfectly happy with Microsoft Teams and Zoom, but it would be interesting to hear some people's uh, recollections or perceptions of that platform. And of course, After I said it, I remembered this, but Christopher Duffley has chimed in and said that the mixer that I was just talking about is the Soundcraft Signature 12 MTK. That's right. I knew there was a suffix. The MTK stands for multi-track. He says, I have the 22 MTK myself, and I really like it. He also continues, also, for input slash outputs, when you install the multi-channel driver, they're shown in pairs, 1 slash 2, 3 slash 4, etc. Now, this is very interesting, Christopher, because I read a review on YouTube, or I watched a review on YouTube about this mixer. I am very interested in it, in principle, but the YouTube person who did this review said that if you plug microphones into the mixer, which obviously I do because I'm doing live work as well as pre-recorded work. If you plug, say, two microphones and one is going to be on the left channel and the other mic is going to be on the right channel. You can't, he says, make the microphones mono for live work, which is what I need. Obviously, I don't want to be heard only out of one ear when I'm doing live work. If he's wrong about that, and if there's a way around that issue, I would be really interested in the signature mixes. But it sounded, based on his review, like it was really very good indeed for recorded work, but it may not be so good for people like me who are doing recorded work and live work. If that is a myth, I would definitely like to know about that. And it's hard to believe, but the time has come again for another Bonnie Bulletin.
4: Hi, guys.
0: Cue the applause. I can do better than fake applause. Ah, there we go. How is it going?
4: Good. Excellent. It is Belmont Stakes Day, which seems a little strange since we have yet to have the... Kentucky Derby. I mean, that greatness. is
0: strange, isn't it? Why, why haven't they had the Kentucky Derby if they are about to have the Belmont?
4: Ask the CEO of Churchill Downs.
0: Okay, I will. We'll get him on the blower. <laughs>
4: yeah, there you go. Um, so, is there a
0: Kentucky Derby this
4: year? There will be. It'll be in Labor Day.
0: So they're having it in a, in a different order. So there yes. is still a chance for a Triple Crown winner. Well, there?
4: there? there's that's up for debate because – The Triple Crown runs over five weeks. It's a very intense athletic experience. And very few horses, except for Bob Baffert's two in the past few years, have been able to do it. Only 12, well, now 14 over, you know, the the Triple Crown history. So now it's spread out over 15 weeks. So the question is, did they really win the Triple Crown or did they not? So I
0: don't get get this. I mean, if you've won all three in a year – haven't you won the triple yeah, crown?
4: Yeah, but is it is it as glorious as winning the triple crown when it's over five weeks instead of 15?
0: Mm, all right. Well, so do you, that'll
4: then? be debated by horse people for a while. I think people will take the victory How will somehow? history remember it? Yeah, because we have the Haskell and the Traverse Stakes, mm. which are two huge summer races coming up after the Belmont Stakes. The Belmont Stakes is shorter. It's usually a mile and a half. It's
0: like the bunny equivalent of races.
4: Yeah. It's, it is. So well, some yeah. trainers, I don't know. It's it's interesting. So I really like uh, Tis the Law, who is a New York bred, trained by Barclay Tag, owned by Sacatoga Racing. So very excited to see him run because I have met Barclay Tag at a fundraiser and I've met some of the owners from Sacatoga
0: So Racing. then you have created a dilemma for me. What? Because if, if this is obviously fine now that we're talking about it, what is it, two hours before yeah. the Belmont is, But by the time I publish the podcast version in Mosin at Large, episode number 44, we will know who won the Belmont. Yes. So I guess I'll just publish this anyway. Yeah. And they- people will know whether you were right or not.
4: Right. I Do like- they trust
0: your judgment on horse racing matters?
4: Well, I just had a winner at Churchill with uh, Diamond Crazy. Hmm. So – are you
0: going to watch the Belmont on the new Samsung TU8500 80, 80, television? Yeah,
4: yeah, I'll get it on Sirius XM.
0: Right. Yeah. What do you think of the TV?
4: It's nice. It's a very, very accessible, probably the most accessible TV I've ever seen. And I spent Thursday, because I was off sick watching, I was baptizing it with The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills.
0: Yeah. What was that on?
4: It was on Netflix, mm. but it's a Bravo show.
0: Right. Okay. So you're, you're pleased with it then?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. What's your take on the whole Atmos thing? I mean, notwithstanding the fact that we can't have audio description and <clears throat> Atmos on at the same time, what what's your take on the sound of the Atmos?
4: Well, yesterday I heard what sounded like a dinosaur roaring at, like, 5 a.m. <laughs> <And laughs> well, <laughs> was like, well you see, what was that? You know, so was it was looking, very realistic.
0: I was looking for movies and TV shows and things to really show off the Atmos prowess, and I was um, looking at articles online about best Dolby Atmos soundtracks, and there was also a thread going in the Sonos Reddit sub forum, mm-hmm. and so uh, they recommended the Mad Max something Fury
4: Fury Road. Fury, yeah,
0: yeah. So I I got that from iTunes, and then somebody also said, oh, this thing called Six – what's it called? It's on Netflix. Isn't
4: that the Formula One thing?
0: No, no, it's not the Formula One thing. It's uh, Six – oh, man. Six Um, under. Six six apart or something. No, 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 not six apart. Anyway, it's it's, 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 – that that has an incredible (laughs) – That was very loud. I don't don't
4: know. Yeah, that was the one I heard next, but I don't know what the dinosaur tiger – was the mm. word, so it was Tiger King, but I don't think that's in Dolby Atmos. So, um, but it was like I heard Tyrannosaurus Rex roaring at five I was like, what the heck? Mm. Yeah. Very- and it will, if you have it on pause, I noticed the other day, it will remind you that it's on pause.
0: Oh, I haven't done that. That's yeah, because
4: I paused The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for a while while I was doing something else. And every few minutes it would pop up and say, now playing, just to remind you.
0: I'm also going to be publishing a blog post on our little Atmos journey and uh, talking about this so the, the 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 fact that blind people can't enjoy audio description and Dolby Atmos at the same time really frustrates mm-hmm. me that is pathetic yeah and particularly since blind people obviously are are very strong candidates for Atmos you yeah. know they're going to enjoy it we also have taken a look at Tidal Tidal is a streaming media service, and its big boast is that it sends music in lossless audio, so when you use Spotify or Apple Music, even though the bitrate is quite high, it is still using what's known as lossy audio, where they compress the signal down and take out bits that supposedly the human ear won't mind not hearing. With Tidal and actually Deezer, which we've used for a very long time, you get lossless audio. Tidal seems to have a bit of an advantage in that the mobile apps also support their lossless audio format, whereas Deezer's does not. And there's also mastering from Tidal, which I think gives us a bit, gives it a bit of an advantage too. So we've got this set up because Tidal on the Apple TV app supports Dolby Atmos music. So if you've got some music mastered or mixed in Dolby Atmos, You can play it through the Apple TV. It does seem very unfortunate to me that you can't play Dolby Atmos music just through the Sonos app itself linked to Tidal. You have to use the Apple TV as an intermediary, which is Ivy. Hopefully, they will fix that in subsequent builds of the Sonos S2 operating system. But we're having fun. We're geeking out.
4: Yes. You and Heidi and Henry. Yeah.
0: It's fun to geek out. Mosin at
4: Large Podcast.
0: Luis is emailing in from sunny Colombia with his wish list for iOS 14. And the first is ability to close all apps at once. Second, improve the dictation feature so the user can teach iOS to recognize new words, as is the case with Dragon Naturally Speaking. Number three, Siri multi-language recognition, just like in the Google Assistant. Number four, the ability to send Apple TV Plus to Android smart TVs. Yes, well, my Samsung actually has Apple TV Plus built into it, mate. Built in, marvel, and it's got AirPlay as well. So, I mean, AirPlay is now on an increasing number of Android TVs. So I think you got your wish. You just got to have the right TV there, Louise. Five. Using the volume button to answer and hang up a call. Oh, please make that toggleable. (laughs) What's actually wrong with a two-finger double tap? At the moment, of course, if you press one of the volume buttons, you mute your audio of the ringtone so you can hear more clearly who's calling. So I hope that's a toggle if they implement it. Six, and I'll switch it off. Using the volume buttons to control the volume within the Sonos app when voiceover is enabled. I have never understood... Why such a conflict exists when voiceover is disabled, the volume buttons work to turn up and down the music played through the Sonos app. By the way, the same problem happens in the Samsung phones when voice assistant is enabled. 7. Use of third-party voices outside voice Dream Reader. 8. Inclusion of eloquence as a TTS. I don't understand why we can get vocalizer voices and not Eloquence, since both are manufactured by Nuance. My understanding from listeners here, Luis, is that Eloquence is 32-bit code and nobody's ported it to 64-bit. I mean, I guess Nuance could do it, couldn't they, if they wanted to? So amen to that, brother. I think a lot of us would love to see Eloquence on the iPhone. Nine, the ability to transfer recordings created in tune-in radio to other devices. This can be done in Android phones. Yes, and if you jailbreak as well. And 10, there is no number 10. Thank you, Louis. That's a really thought-provoking list of features there. Much appreciated. One thing about me is that I tend to get very enthusiastic about the things that I like, and it's probably got worse or better, depending on your perspective, since I started keeping a gratitude journal and adopted a meditation practice. I'm a lot more grateful for a lot more things. And so sometimes people think, oh man, he's on some sort of affiliate gig or he's being paid to say this. So I should make it clear that I am not being paid to say the following things. I am just a very enthusiastic and grateful user. I think that the Castro podcast player for iOS is just the best podcast app I have ever used on any platform. You can hear a comprehensive review of Castro in episode 18 of the Mosin at Large podcast. And I am a bit late to this party, but boy, am I on board now. I won't recap all the things that I like about Castro because you can go back to episode 18 and check that out. But the reason why I'm mentioning Castro again is that, man, they have come out on steroids with a lot of great Siri support. Siri is a great time saver for everyone, but some blind people struggle with the touchscreen, despite VoiceOver's excellent support. And that's why, still, the most common way that people consume Mosin at large is the victory to stream which is a dedicated player for blind people. It plays audiobooks and music and podcasts, and it has physical buttons. But of course, the more you have to take care of in terms of things to charge, things to carry around, things to potentially lose, the more complex your life gets. So I've always been a fan of getting your iPhone to do as much as possible. And with all of this Siri support built into the latest edition of Castro, I don't think you'll miss those physical buttons at all. I'll demonstrate some of the features built into Castro, and we'll also talk about the philosophy behind some of these features, because it is quite extensible. There are people who are already, in the short time that Castro's Siri support has been out, designing some very cool shortcuts, taking advantage of Castro's deep Siri support. When you're playing podcasts with Castro, it's using Siri Intents, and that means that you have to tell Siri the app that you are working with. So often, these commands will have on Castro at the end of them, so Siri knows what it's doing. For example, let's talk to Siri here. Play Mozart at Large on Castro.
3: I'll need to access your Castro data to do this. Is that okay? Yes. Now playing Mosen at Large with Jonathan Mosen from Castro.
0: In episode 42 of Mosen at Large, we're looking ahead to Apple's... I'm going to pause that. What happened there? This is the first time that I have used Castro on this iPhone. So you can hear what will happen to you. The first time you issue one of these new Castro commands, Siri will ask for permission to work with Castro. That is a one-off. Once it's done, you're good to go and you won't be prompted in that way again. How Siri responds to the command I just gave it, play Mosin at Large on Castro, depends on a range of factors. At the moment, I don't have any episode of the Mosin at Large podcast in my Castro queue. If I had, it would have first looked at the queue and said, has he got anything in here? Yes. Okay. so we'll play the Mosin at Large episode that's in the queue. Even if I had gone back into the Mosin at Large archives and chosen an old episode to listen to, then it would have played that if it was in the queue. Next, it would have looked in Castro's inbox. And if you're not familiar with this terminology, again, I refer you to episode 18 of Mosin at Large. If there's a Castro episode in the inbox that matches the podcast name, Mosin at Large, it'll go to the inbox next. And finally, it will play generally the latest episode if I just say play Mosin at Large on Castro. You'll notice there was a little bit of a pause when I did it and that's because since there's nothing stored locally, Castro went out to the internet and it started streaming the latest episode of Mosin at Large. The nice thing is that this is going to work whether you're subscribed to a podcast or not. So if you just want to try a podcast out, And somebody says to you, I heard about this new podcast. I get this all the time, actually, when I'm listening to other podcasts and somebody mentions one and I think, hmm, what's this podcast like? And I can have a quick listen to it in Castro and then subscribe to the podcast if I want to do that. Some of these features are just built in and some of them require you to record phrases and activate shortcuts. The chapter support in Castro is phenomenal. Mosen at Large is indexed by chapter because typically it's a really long podcast and I realize not everything that we talk about is of interest to everyone. So as a convenience to you, out of respect for your time, we heavily index by chapter. I'm going to resume playing. In episode 42 of Mosen at Large, next chapter. Okay, done. I always look forward to our weekly catch-ups. Thank you once then- again for... Next chapter.
3: Okay, done.
0: All right, now, as I said, I did publish an extra episode of. And you can also do previous chapter as well to skip around the chapters. One of the things I'm also appreciating about this new Siri support is all the flexibility you have to organize your queue in Castro via Siri. Now, you have been able to do this with drag and drop before. And it takes a while with VoiceOver to drag and drop. So we can say, next podcast.
3: To answer a question that we didn't think anyone else.
0: What that has done is put the Mosin at Large episode we were listening to at the bottom of the queue and taken me to another podcast that I was in the middle of listening to. Now we've got an episode of Mosin at Large in the queue now. So what happens if I say, Play Mosen at Large in Castro.
3: Now playing Mosen at Large with Jonathan Mosen from Castro.
0: Episode of Mosen at Large on Thursday. That's there we episode. go. That has worked because what it's done is it's seen the episode of Mosen at Large already in the queue and it has resumed from where we left off. What if you have a podcast that you listen to that does not support chapters? You've got a lot of control over skipping now. So I'm going to resume playing. 41, in which we skip forward by six minutes. And in the afternoon, in yesterday afternoon, as I put this show together, skip forward 13 minutes. Look at that, right on a jingle. Bullseye. So, you can skip back in the same way. Want to speed me up? All right, speed me up. Let's try this. Speed 2x. On the subject of whether you would take sight if it were offered to you, a reality check comes in from Columbia, and Luis Peña says in the discussion of the bionic eye, it's important to point out that a totally blind person... Speed 1.5x. Totally blind person since birth wouldn't be able to recover his. Speed 1x. Wouldn't be able to recover his sight. This is due to the fact. Now fa- we're back to normal speed again. You can shuffle the queue as well if you want things in random order, which is kind of nice sometimes if you have a lot of podcasts in the queue. There's also a sleep timer function. If you're the kind of person who listens to podcasts at night and drifts off and you don't want too many episodes to be played, you can configure a sleep timer for Castro. You've probably got the point by now. This is super comprehensive and you're probably thinking that's great. But dude, how am I ever going to remember all of these features in Castro? And this is another beauty of their Siri implementation. They have actually documented it, and they've made it very user-extensible. Let's take a look. I'm going to open the app itself. Open Castro.
6: Play. Button.
0: Settings. Button. There we go. We'll go to the top of the screen, and the Settings button is there, so I'll double-tap it.
6: Done. Button. And flick right. Settings. Castro Plus. Member 331-01-2021. App icon, button, watch sync, button, show settings, chapters, button, sideloads, promoted content, but Siri guide, button.
0: Here's a new feature in the latest build called Siri guide. I'll double tap.
6: Shows. And I'll flick right. Q Playback. Castro Plus. Play a specific show. Say, play reply all in Castro, button.
0: That's just an example, of course. And if we double
6: tap this because it's a button... Any show works. We're using reply all as an example, but you can ask Siri to use any show with this command. We'll go back. Back. Button. Show key Play Castro Plus. Play as specific. Say, play reply all in- or add custom phrases. Button. You can add custom phrases to this. If I double
0: tap this button, I'll get a list of all the podcasts that I'm subscribed to. For example, I listen to the BBC radio series The Archers. It's a radio drama and I've listened to it for decades. And The Archers is set in a fictitious rural village in England called Ambridge. So I can say, play The Archers. And I have The Archers automatically put into my queue every time there's a new episode. But if I want, I can set up a custom phrase that says, Let's visit Ambridge, which sounds very cool and picturesque, and then Castro knows that that phrase is associated
6: with the arches. I'll flick, right? Play newest episode of a show. Say, play the newest episode of Pod Save America in Castro. Button. That's
0: self-explanatory. I'll continue to flick, right?
6: Play first episode of a show. Say, play the first episode of Serial in Castro. Button. Clearly that's a particularly useful feature
0: if you're listening to a series where the episodes are important. The order of
6: the episode is important. Play the news. Say play the news in Castro. Button. Edit shortcut. Button. What you're seeing in this guide is a mix of
0: two things. One is the series intents. And these are features that Apple supply to third-party developers. Spotify and WhatsApp and a number of apps have implemented this before, where you can give a command, and essentially Siri passes that command on. Castro is doing all the magic that it's doing through two features. One is those Siri intents, and the other is with iOS shortcuts. I made the comment in my wishlist for iOS 14 that in my view, Shortcuts are one of the biggest things to happen to iOS in a long time. And what Castro has done here has really illustrated my point. So they've put these features together in a Siri guide. So with some of these features, you'll find that you have to install a shortcut. That's not a difficult or arduous process in any way. You just install the shortcut, confirm the phrase that you want to use to execute the shortcut. And then you really never need to think about the shortcut again. It's just going to
6: work. Play a show from a category. Say, play a science podcast in Castro. Button. Add shortcuts to enable. Button. Play a specific show next. Say, play 99% invisible next in Castro. Button. Play a specific show later. Say, play this American life later in Castro. Button. The later command adds the podcast you're referring to to the bottom of the queue. Send current episode to the bottom of the queue. Edit shortcut. Button. Say, next podcast button. Clear the currently playing episode. Edit shortcut, button. Say, clear this episode, but play a random episode from the queue. Say, play Castro shuffled, button. Starting playback. Edit custom phrase, button. Say, play Castro, button.
0: You could have been listening to something in another app, perhaps some music from Apple Music, and rather than having to go into Castro and find the play button, you can simply say to Siri, play Castro, and it will pick up, in the middle of the last podcast you were playing, if you were playing one. If you weren't and you have a cue, then it will start playing from the top of your Castro cue.
6: Pausing playback. Say, pause, button, skipping forward. Say, skip ahead, 30 seconds,
0: button. You can see this is a really good memory aid. You can probably assign yourself some homework and learn a Castro Siri command a day. And by the end of a month or two, you will be a castro
6: ninja and very efficient with using it. Jumping backwards. Say, jump back 15 seconds. Button. Clear the currently playing episode. Edit shortcut. Button. Say, clear this episode. Button. Start the currently playing episode. Or our custom phrase. Button. Say, I like this episode. Button. Set playback speed. Or our custom phrases. Button. Say, set playback speed to two times. Button. Increase playback speed. Edit shortcut, button, say, increase playback speed, button, decrease playback speed. Add shortcut to enable, button, say, decrease playback speed, button, enable continuous play. Add shortcut to enable, button, say, enable continuous play, button, disable continuous play. Add shortcut to enable, button, say, disable continuous play, button, set sleep timer. Add shortcuts to enable button. Say, set sleep timer for 15 minutes, button. You have to add
0: a shortcut for each sleep timer increment that you want to use. So there's a little bit of setup there, but again, it's a one-off setup process.
6: Next chapter. Edit shortcut. Button. Say, next chapter. Button. Previous chapter. Edit shortcut. Button. Say, previous chapter. Button. Restart current chapter. Edit shortcut. Button. Say, restart chapter. Button. Enable enhanced Voices. Say, Enable enhanced Voices button. Castro
0: and a number of other podcast apps for iOS offer some dynamic audio compression that tries to make the podcast sound punchier, sound better, while some podcasts just don't need it. Mosin at Large, for example, has its own dynamic audio compression. We do that here in the studio, and hopefully it sounds pretty good without any podcast compression. So when you're listening to Mosin at Large... You may want to disable the feature because it could sound a bit too compressed with too lots of
6: compression going on at once. Edit shortcut, button, disable enhance voices. Say, disable enhance voices, button. Edit shortcut, button, enable trim silence. Edit shortcut, button. Say, enable trim silence, button.
0: The trim silence feature just helps you get through your podcast a little faster by compressing pauses in the podcasts. In a podcast like this, That'd be fine. News, podcasts, that sort of thing. In a drama where there can be pause for effect, you could really lose some important nuances if you
6: have this feature on. So it's good to be able
0: to toggle it via
6: Siri. Disable trim silence. Edit shortcut. Button. Say disable trim silence. Button. Say disable. And that's the end of that screen. I'm going to go
0: back because there's more. Yes, wait, there's more, as the infomercials like to say. Castro Plus, member
6: through Siri guide, shortcuts gallery, button.
0: Here's a shortcuts gallery. What an ingenious idea. People are inventing all sorts of Siri shortcuts that pertain to Castro. And the Castro Twitter account has actually been tweeting some very interesting ones of late. But the Castro developers are also finding some great user shortcuts and putting them in their own custom Castro Shortcuts gallery so you can install them, even if you haven't had time to get into the minutiae of writing shortcuts. And it's a fun thing to do. It's actually a really good introduction to the concepts of programming, working with iOS shortcuts. But if you're not inclined to do that, then other people can do the work
6: for you. Let's see what's here at the moment. Shortcuts.
0: I'll flick, right?
6: Old news. Install shortcut. Button. Remove old news episodes from queue Button. I had a look at this shortcut, and what it appears to do is look at the category of the
0: podcast. And if it's news, it's making an assumption that if you haven't caught up with your news podcast for a while, probably you're not going to want to because news moves quickly. So I haven't checked the date range, but I think it might be seven days or something like that. If you've got news podcasts in your queue that are older than a certain date, You can run this shortcut and all the old news just gets magically
6: removed from your queue.
5: Genius.
6: Clear queued episodes. Install shortcut button. Sometimes you got to start over button. Yes, indeed. So you can clear the queue if you install this shortcut. Add episode entry to day one. Install shortcut button.
0: From time to time, we've had people who have contacted this podcast asking about journaling apps And consistently, whenever that topic comes up, everybody says, you gotta get Day One. It's a great journaling app, and it's fully accessible. I haven't tried it myself, but this is a way to integrate Castro with Day One so that you can journal the facts that you have listened to a particular podcast if you want to take a note
6: of it. Keep a journal of episodes you love. Button. Make episode notes. Install shortcut. Button. Take notes on what's playing now. Button subscribe in Castro install shortcut. Button no Castro link, no problem.
0: Button this one really is handy. You often go to a website and you find a link on that page that says subscribe in Apple podcasts. And my question is, frankly, why would you? Why would you subscribe in Apple podcasts when you could use Castro? So this takes an Apple podcasts link and subscribes in Castro. Let's flick right.
6: Import Apple Podcast Library. Install shortcut button.
0: This one has come up a few times on Mosin at Large where people can see the value in Castro after my demonstrations and after other people have talked about it. But they've said, you know, I've got just so many podcasts in Apple Podcasts, it's a real hassle to make the switch. Particularly given that Apple Podcasts really attempts to lock you in. Many podcast apps for iOS have what I consider a really ethical feature which is that you can export your podcast feeds as something called an OPML file. It's a generic part of the RSS standards, and they also allow importing of OPML files. That way, if you find a podcast app that suits your needs, you can take all your podcasts with you and bring them elsewhere to Overcast's credit I was able to do that, export all my podcasts from Overcast when I realized that Castro met my needs better, and then import them into Castro. Apple podcasts will not play in that way, at least not on iOS. So this is a way
6: of getting around that issue. Listen, we all go through changes. Button. Indeed. Tweet current episode. Install shortcut. Button. Tweet like nobody is scrolling, you big, big nerd button
0: very cool and easy way to use siri to tweet the podcast you're listening to
6: make something cool share your custom shortcuts and we might
0: feature it here button as i put this recording together these features have only been around about 24 hours in the public domain and look at what there is already so who knows what the castro community will come up with in the near future my favorite podcast app just got even better you can of course find castro in the iOS App Store, there'll be a link in the show notes.
5: Hi, Jonathan. It's Daniel calling again from Keri. Um, I'm calling with a question, actually, this time regarding Castro. I'm not able to see a way to navigate by chapter, especially in your podcast. Is that a function that needs to be enabled via settings? Remember, I'm coming to Castro from Overcast.
0: Thanks, Daniel. And congratulations on making the switch to Castro. The chapter support in Castro is a Castro plus feature. And I'm wondering if that's it. If you're just using the free version of Castro, unfortunately, there is no chapter support available, which certainly if you're on a budget is a big advantage of some other podcast apps. I mean, the Apple iOS podcast app, now has chapter support and you don't have to pay a cent for it. That said, the Castro Plus podcast chapter support is a beautiful thing and you will find it all in the now playing screen. So when you've got Castro Plus, go into the full player screen, uh, which you can double tap at the bottom of the window. You will see that you can skip between chapters. What you can also do is assemble a playlist of chapters. I try to mark up the content of this podcast extensively with chapters. And what that allows a Castro user to do is when they're playing the podcast right from the very beginning, they can go into the section where you can see all the chapters and you can deselect the ones that you're not interested in. So, for example, if you're not interested in my rantings about what I would like to see in iOS 14, you can just deselect that chapter and it will just simply skip over it. When you play the podcast. So by doing it that way, by looking at the different chapters and making your choice at the beginning, you don't even have to sit there skipping between chapters. It will just automatically seamlessly skip between the chapters that you've selected. Like everything, Castro, just a brilliant implementation of podcast listening. So I hope that helps. My hunch is that. It's because you're not running Castro+. Plus. If that's not the case, I hope I've given you some direction on where you can find it. At Large
5: Podcast. Greetings, Mozen at Large listeners. This is Nick Janick from Long Island, New York. Normally, I wouldn't really be talking about the more serious issues on this show. I am a little bit too much of a humorist for my opinions to be all that weighty. But Tristan Clare mentioned something on the most recent episode of Mosin at Large, and I thought... I'd best not stay silent. She mentioned the Libra's congenital amaurosis clinical trials. I am a participant in the one out of Boston. I went to Massachusetts Ioneer in February to be screened for that clinical trial, and I need to tell you some of what I was told. First of all, the thing that really prompted me to respond to that comment was Tristan's hope that this is not a surgery. Now, keep in mind the fact that the gene they wish to edit, for me, is CEP290, and the various differing LCA genes might have different types of treatment. However, I have to tell you that in my case, it is a surgery. What they're doing is something called CRISPR gene editing. And what they do is they inject a virus into the eye that they are operating on. That virus is programmed to write code into your genome, that attempts to fill in the missing information in your genes. It should be noted that we can't get everything that is missing, and I even had a clever question for the doctor, and I said, well, why can't we write these lines in a linear fashion with multiple passes of the surgery? That idea is not off the table, but we're just not there yet. They also aren't discounting the possibility that somebody who is totally blind from birth might get some benefit from this. I understand the theory involved, and to some extent, I actually agree with what Luis says. However, this leads directly to why I'm participating in this. Yes, I do want sight, and have done since I was 20 years old, and a comment that I made that was intended to be entirely in jest and actually got the desired laughter didn't, in fact, get the desired laughter. It was more polite laughter, and it was more shown on people's faces than in their voices. That changed my desire for vision completely. This is not on the table for me. This type of vision level is not on the table for me. But I feel like participating in this trial would help do that for somebody else down the line. More to the point, I'm working with a fantastic group of people. And it is these people, whom are incredibly smart, personable, and just... I I cannot say enough good about the team at Mass Eye and Ear. I really can't. Working with them is going to be its own reward when it comes time to do this. I'm on hold right now because, of course, of COVID-19. But I got to tell you right now, working with these people, I cannot stress this enough. This is the best group of people I can imagine on a human level to do this work. I cannot say enough good about doctors Eric Pierce, Kevin Ferenczak, Mirjana Nordman, and the entire team at Mass Eye and Ear who were, to a person, the most comforting people that I could imagine in a position of medical authority. In fact, part of why I was able to pass the pre-screening the first time was that I was able to, when I was getting dispirited at not getting results that they expected me to get in some ways, or at least that's what I thought internally, I was able to turn off my brain and treat it as a social exercise, as making new friends, and took the tests as a secondary concern. As a result, I wasn't thinking so hard and was able to give instinctual information that otherwise I would have spent far too long trying to get from nowhere. So, that really did work out well. If you would like to hear my more immediate reaction to the tests, I did a radio show, in fact, at the time. It is available in archival form, although in Ogvorbis format, at www.tbrn.net slash domain. Look for the Digital Domain Online Radio Show for February 28th, 2020. And be warned... It's not safe for work. I do feel some responsibility as somebody who is engaging in this trial. And so, as more time goes by and the phase one clinical trial, which is mainly a test for safety rather than efficacy, continues when it does restart, I promise to be communicative about what happens and to be a resource for those, like Tristan Clare or others, who might be considering this. Fact is, the three years they ask for are so worth it. It's the type of thing you put your life on hold for. And if this is something that is that important to me, I feel responsible for disseminating information about it and being a resource for the likes of Tristan Clare and others who might be considering this treatment. And thank you for allowing me this platform to speak.
0: Fascinating, Nick. Thank you for sharing that. And dude, that is the ultimate in beta testing.
1: Jonathan Mosen, Mosen at Clark's
0: Podcast. Freedom Scientific has released the latest version of its Jaws screen reading software. This is the June update of Jaws 2020. One change you will have noticed over the years with Jaws is that Freedom Scientific is inclined to put some pretty big new features in the mix anytime that they're available. In earlier times, you'd expect all those big features to come along in the annual update. Now, if you're current with your JAWS software maintenance agreement, or you have a subscription in markets where they're supported, you'll find that occasionally a really big feature comes along that makes an impactful difference at all times of the year. The June update of JAWS is one example of this, and I want to demonstrate the impact that it has. By way of background, I have an HP Spectre Folio laptop in front of me. It has built-in 4G, which I find very useful when I'm doing a lot of domestic travel. And it's a stylish looking laptop. It's actually all clad in leather. So from an aesthetic point of view, yay, I get the cool creds. There is one problem with this laptop, and it's not unique to this laptop. I have seen this on many laptops that are out there right now. They are using a Realtek onboard sound driver that is trying to conserve battery life by hibernating quickly when it detects that there's no sound coming through the sound card. And when it wakes up, it's taking a fraction of a second to do the waking up long enough for the screen reader that you're using, whether it be JAWS or anything else, to miss a little bit of a speech. So you're seeing this a lot on laptops, particularly running on batteries, And you're also seeing it if you're using Bluetooth headsets because they're battery operated and they too are trying to conserve energy with the very laudable aim of making the battery last as long as possible. There is an external utility that tries to address this problem, a third party app I've been using for some time called Silenzio. But now this functionality is handily built right into JAWS and once you've set it, you can forget it. Let me demonstrate the problem so you can hear what this is like by just running JAWS without this new enhancement that I want to show you enabled. So I'm going to press a shortcut key that I have assigned to JAWS. There you go. You can actually hear it right away. It sort of said ORS Professional because I've been sitting here with my laptop making no sound and it just woke up. Even this pause is long enough for me to demonstrate the problem. If I check the window title, one. and you can hear that it missed the beginning of desktop. So it sort of said, top one. I'm going to run Microsoft Word. Oh, no. app, press right you can really hear it. My okay. sound card driver has actually recently I got worse with, with this issue, and it's now hibernating very quickly. I have my keyboard echo turned off, which probably exacerbates the problem but I just don't need my keys echoing back to me. I'm going to type, this is a test, and now read the current line. This a test. Right, so you missed the first word entirely there. It's a test. is a test. It's a test. If I do it quickly enough, if I read the same line twice quickly, a This it's a test. There we go, so as long as I'm quick enough and I keep the sound card alive, I can hear what I'm doing. Now, of course, if you're navigating word by word, this is a real issue. I'll go to the top of the file and now move slightly slowly, word by word. Right, it's really difficult to hear, isn't it? How do we fix this? It's very easy with the latest build of JAWS to address this. I'm going to go into the settings center and you can do that by pressing the JAWS key with F2 to get to the list of managers if you like. But JAWS Seasoned users or those who just are shortcut ninjas will know that you can go into the Settings Center by pressing the JAWS key with the number 6 on your number row. JAWS Center Dialog. Search. Edit. Control. Plus. E. The first thing we need to do is load the default configuration because this setting applies across the board to JAWS. To do that, I'll press Control. Shift. D. for default. JAWS Settings Center. Default. All Applications. We're now in an edit field where we can search for jaws settings. You can fussick around the tree view here to your heart's content and you'll find just how configurable jaws is, but I'm going to type the word cut, c u t. That'll be enough and I'll press the tab key. Search results list box avoid speech cut off when using Bluetooth headphones or
6: some sound card's not checked user.
0: And there's an option here called avoid speech cutoff and I'm going to press tab which will get me into the help for this feature, and do a Jaws
6: say all to hear the full description. The modern Bluetooth headphones shut down after a while of not receiving sound to conserve battery. If this checkbox is selected, Jaws will keep them awake by constantly playing silence. You will not hear anything, but your device will remain active, resulting in more consistent speech. Note that the battery of your headphones/speakers will drain faster if you turn this on. This checkbox is cleared by default. I must
0: say I have not found anything substantial in the way of battery drain by enabling this feature. The HP Spectre Folio laptop that I have has phenomenal battery life. I mean, depending on what I'm doing, it can be anything from 5 or 6 hours if I'm doing really aggressive tasks like audio editing all the way through to 12, 13, 14 hours or more if I'm just doing a bit of basic word processing. I'll shift tab. Search results list box. Avoid speech cut off when using Bluetooth headphones or some sound cards not check user. And I'll check this box. Act. now I'm going to exit settings center by pressing Alt F4.
6: All settings Center Dialog. You have made changes to default all applications as settings. Do you want to save them? Yes button. Alt plus Y.
0: Yes, I do. I'll press Enter to accept. Document one word. Edit. Miraculously, now everything has cleared up. Night and day, mate. Night and day. So if I press the JAWS key with T to read the window title. Document one word. Grid. And it's fine. Document one word. Grid. I read a say line. This is a test. And everything is working fine. So it's a very simple thing. It's just a little checkbox, but it makes the world of difference to people like me who are using particular Realtek sound drivers. One thing to note, there is a trade-off with this. Because JAWS is sending sound to the sound card at all times, it's essentially just sending silence to keep it awake, that means that the sound card is always on, so audio ducking is affected. You will unfortunately have to make a choice between whether JAWS ducks the audio or whether this feature is on. By ducking audio, I mean that you can have JAWS now slightly turn down what you're listening to. If you have music on in the background while you're working, JAWS will turn that down a little so that you can better hear your speech. You can't have that and this feature enabled at the same time. For me, the user experience has improved so much by enabling this checkbox that I'm glad to forsake the possibility of audio ducking. That's one of the new features in JAWS 2020, in the June update. And you can update from within JAWS, of course, or you can download the full install from the Freedom Scientific website. The time has come once again for another, and at this stage, the last in this current series of... The Tiffany, 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 Tiffany Report. Report. Tiffany Jessen is back again, and she says, you often mention your use of Braille with a capital B. Hooray! Screen Input. So I thought I would inquire if you'd ever seen my problem before. Like you, I love BSI and use it a lot. Unlike how you do it with tabletop mode, I prefer screen away mode as holding around the two ends of the phone feels a lot more stable from dropping since I don't have a table or surface when waiting on train platforms and such. See, I can't use it in away mode. I I cannot get any sensible braille out of it at all. Anyway, Tiffany continues. In either case, I have tried resolving the problem in both screen away and tabletop modes with the charge port to the left and right with no resolve. I have used it for years, so am comfortable and generally a fast user. The problem is... My dots 2 and 3 have been calibrated way up high, too close to my dot 1 when in screen away mode. I know that I used to be told to calibrate every time I turned the rotor to BSI, but that stopped several months ago, and I cannot force it. I have, of course, rebooted the phone, taken it out and back into the rotor, turned hints back on, and never get the prompt. I've asked several of my co-workers and even called Apple Accessibility and nobody has a solution of how to command it to calibrate over again. It was suggested I do a factory reset, a major extreme indeed, so I didn't want to go quite that far. I tried resetting all settings without doing a full factory reset and it still didn't resolve. I got this phone in January of last year and the problem started a few months ago. It has iOS 12, as I have not bothered to get around to 13 yet. Not entirely against it, just hadn't cared to bother yet. In either case, what I'm saying is that it wasn't caused by an upgrade. I'm a bit confused by this message, Tiffany, because I don't think I've ever heard a prompt to calibrate browse screen input. I just do it automatically every time I use it. So I'm in an edit field now and I'm just going to use my rotor.
3: Misspelled words, edit. Real screen input, orientation locked, landscape, charge port to the right, tabletop mode, contracted. And that's what I've
0: always heard. I've never heard anything about calibrating. And now I just do my four, five, six, one, two, three.
3: Dot positions calibrated.
0: And I'm ready to go. So I'm a bit confused about what bug you're seeing. Are you saying that even when you go into browse screen input Pressing four, five, six and one, two, three does nothing because you don't have to wait for a prompt to do it. In fact, I've never heard such a thing. Um, I just do it. But uh, so I, I apologize if I've misunderstood the problem, but I have not seen this. Might be worse upgrading to iOS 13 to see if that re- resolves the problem, because as you rightly say, wiping everything out with factory defaults is a bit drastic, right? So what have you got to lose, really? We'll see if anybody else is experiencing what you are. And thank you for this exciting series that has been the Tiffany, Tiffany,
2: Tiffany, Tiffany Report.
0: It's time for another edition on Mosin at Large of what did Christopher Write? write? OK, ready, right? Right, right. Well, today, Christopher Wright writes, here are my initial comments on the new Microsoft Edge browser based on Chromium. If you'd like to share them on Mosin at Large. I love it, he says. I went ahead and downloaded it yesterday. It appears to be faster than Google Chrome. I appreciate the clean user interface as well. I find it's easier to navigate than Chrome and have set it as my default browser in Windows. I also discovered that you can quickly enable the reader mode on a web page by pressing F9, mute the audio from any tab with Control-M, and start reading a page with text-to-speech using Control-Shift-U. This is so much better than Classic Edge, and I'm thrilled such an accessible and powerful browser will soon be built into Windows with the next version scheduled for the end of 2020. Good on you, Christopher. I appreciate that. Yep, it's my browser of choice, my default browser. And I'm really pleased that I switched to Edge. Great user experience. And Gino J, Gino J in sunny Massachusetts is also chiming in on this and says that he's just upgraded to the new Edge and he likes it he had some difficulty setting it up with a newer version of zoom text but an older version of zoom text seemed to work okay for him go figure as they say great upgrade the microsoft did <music>